Blog Talk Radio. Doing? I am good, Miss Tina. How are you? 
I'm okay. That's good. That's good. How's your day going today? Today has been going pretty good. I was having some problems with my phone uh, keeping the charge, but I got it worked out. Okay, that's good. It's always something trying to stop what the Lord has to say. Always, always. You want to open us up, please? I sure will. Where we all clear our minds for prayer. Lord, we come to you thanking you for your grace and your mercy that you bestow upon us daily that we're not worthy of. We ask for your goodness and love to be present amongst us today as we go forth in our conversation. Bless our conversation, Lord, with unity, hope, and vision. Build us up all in a deep respect for one another so that your church may be one, so that there's no offenses, there's no bad feelings, holy understanding, patience, and open-mindedness. Come stir up your hope within our hearts and renew our faith, Lord. May your vision fill our lives as we seek to reveal your love. Reveal what you have given Tina and I, as well as those that are listening to voice their opinions on on fallen leadership. We ask all these things in your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I got a chance to um, watch a periscope. I'm not I'm not real big with name dropping, but it was a um it was a prophetess who was speaking out um and she was talking about like um Donnie McClurkin, he's marrying someone who's in the secular arena with music and then there's also Israel Houghton or Houghton who is married uh, who has been re- they both are recently engaged to women out people say that are outside of the kingdom. And and she was really like putting an emphasis on how as women we're told to like wait wait on the Lord for a godly man and that the the men are not being held to the standard because it seems like they're going they're overlooking the kingdom women and marrying the women of the world. And we know that uh, Israel um, had a um, he had a confession of uh, cheating on his wife, and you know he sold many albums, sold out many arenas, did praise and worship at a lot of churches, and so that's what also one of the other things that brought on the topic of fallen leadership. So I wanted to like kind of get your opinion on what what do you what do you think about that. Um, I don't know if I would really classify them as fallen leaders, only because okay. are we just because their their choice to um be engaged to become married to a woman that is not maybe presently in the church like they are, does that mean she's unworthy to be wise? Maybe they see something in these women. Maybe there's a gift on these women's lives, a anointing on these women's lives, and they need that push or that help to really walk into or embrace whatever that walk may be. So because they're not ministers or they're not in the church completely or they're not saved like maybe they are saved doesn't necessarily mean that they failed um, as leaders. They are being leaders, in my opinion, by Recognizing now, we all know when it comes to choosing mates and things, everybody has a different agenda. 
But whatever they saw in these women to choose to make these women their wives, there had to be something. There had to be something in these women for them to say, I can spend the rest of my life with this woman. This woman can help me kingdom build because we all start somewhere. So I don't think they will be classified as fallen leaders, in my opinion. Well, I respect your opinion, but I, I would say they're classified as leaders because uh, Donnie McClurkin, he, he pastors a church in Israel. He also leads the, uh, he stands before the people and leads the people into worship. And okay. throughout his entire 20-year, you know, that still is, you know, whether it's a preaching position, uh, you know, like a ministerial position, anytime in in my opinion, anytime you stand before the congregation and have anything to do with worship, praise, prayer, anything like that, um, deacons, anyone, you are you have a leadership role in the church. And right. Israel had a you know, Israel had a twenty year marriage where he you know, he was found to have basically pretty much cheated on his wife the whole time and you know my husband and I, we had a, we had, you know, we had to talk, you know, we talked about it. And um, at the end of the day, you know, what he was able to tell me was at at those times, like the, you know, because Israel has a lot of songs that I think some of us probably all sing in our churches. He was speaking of how, like, during those times where he, he may have been convicted and he was crying out to God to help him and to even right. help him with the situation, you know, help him with the situation. So that's probably why he can go deep into, you know, he went deep into worship or we can go deep into worship from his music. And I I personally, you know, taking the conversation to what we're really talking about, you know, I personally think that um, sometimes, it's a it's a hard burden to bear, you know, when you're like when you're a leader and we'll, you know, go to pastors or bishops or, you know, even deacons and you know, the people who again, you know, the praise and worship leaders, the people who stand before the church, like when they are found to have like stolen money, uh, cheated okay. on their wives, got you know, got caught uh buying prostitutes or, you know, got arrested for prostitution and, and things like that, like what is you know it it really impacts it impacts the church it really does it impacts the church in a negative way, but it also is an opportunity for the church to actually be the church and to love you know to love them to forgive them and restore them but how do you know how do we do that because it it does affect it does affect the church or and and especially the church that they go to. Because these right. are people that are, you know, people that are familiar with them. Like, you know, how how do you, you know, how how do we how do we address this issue? How do we address fallen leadership? How do we address it? So I agree with you there. I think I was speaking more to, towards like um, Donnie McCurkin deciding to wife a woman that wasn't completely in the church. So yeah, I agree. They are in leadership, most definitely, no matter in what magnitude they are leaders for the kingdom of God, whether it's through music, whether it's through preaching, whatever that might be. I was speaking more to the fact that if they chose to wife a a woman that was not completely in the church, there might be a reason behind that. There might be something that they saw 
that made them say she was worthy enough to be their wives. Now, as far as um, Israel, who cheated, confessed on, cheated on his wife majority of um, his marriage, that, that is a fallen leader. He fell to temptation of another woman to whatever magnitude, whether it was one or ten, I don't know, because I, I know I've heard that that situation, but I mm-hmm. didn't really look more into it. So, yeah, it does affect the church. It does affect individuals that are watching, looking, because, again, like I mentioned, I think a show or two ago, when you're a minister or anything of leadership in the church, there's a magnet, magnifying glass on you. People are watching what you do. People are listening to what you say just so that they can criticize, just so that they can say, see, I told you he or she wasn't what they said they were or whatever the case may be. So it is most definitely a a serious burden to bear to be in leadership, and it makes it extremely difficult to be human, in my opinion, when you are in leadership because people don't view you as human anymore. You're supposed to be this super being power that makes no mistakes, makes no errors, don't see it, and that's just unrealistic. So because of that, we have a lot of fallen leaders. I think because of the expectations that are placed upon leaders, it makes it, I won't say easier for them to fall, but it it opens up the door to be subjected to the things that could make them fall, Um, no matter what that might be, whether it be, like you said, stealing, rather be fornication or adultery, because every pastor or minister is not married, so there's there's everyone faces right. a different a, a different battle or a different struggle. One of them could be balanced smoking, one of them could be balanced drinking, one you know lusting, whatever. They all have their fight with their flesh, which makes them human. But I think we as people make them unhuman with the expectations that we place on. Their shoulders. Now, there is a high expectation because they are in leadership, and that's rightfully so because they chose to be in that spotlight. But then I think it's on the flip side of that coin, we forget sometimes that they are human and that instead of condemning and ready to toss them out the door, there should be other avenues that's pursued to help rebuild that fallen leader back up. Now, some of them can't be saved. Now, I'm not speaking to the fact that that's the case for everybody. <laughs> but there are some genuine leaders out there that just fall prey to their flesh or fall prey to temptation or just are not, don't have the support or the encouragement that they need to keep on pushing to be in that role or position because I think we expect so much of them as far as praying and leading and, and understanding that what it is that we need. We forget about what they need which makes it easy for them to follow as leaders. I, I can see that, but, you know, like, and I, I did get, get some of those responses, like when I posted the question and I uh, called her uh, 41118, I see you. Give me a second. Um, I When I posted the question on Facebook, I got a couple of responses. I got right. one to say, you know, um, you treat them like you treat everybody else. You know, you treat them like you would treat any other soul. You know, they're human too. And then it, I was even asked, you know, is this a real question? And I'm like, yes, it's a real question. 
and and then it was well, you know, we have to love them and and we have to care for them and you know we we can't condemn them and you know all to that nature and I had to really respond with you know it you know you sometimes we play it down with the they're human they're just human which at the end of the day they are human but you know the scripture does tell us how you know what to do and right. when you go like when you go to First Timothy First uh, Timothy five. In 17, it says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. And I take that to heart because a lot of times people, you know, we are called, and when you accept the call, you accept that you have to live a holy life. And if you know that you, if you know that you struggle with something, you know, even in the process of like being called, being ordained, like that's those are some things that you need to you need to address. You need to address and get deliverance from because it's hard. You know, it's hard to come back from certain things, and I'm sure Bishop Long, uh, Eddie Long, I, you know, I'm I'm sure that's hard to come back from because that didn't just hurt him. It hurt his church. It hurt right. the body of Christ. Right. It hurt right. it hurt those young men. And it, and it tainted our, you know, it tainted our perception, and you know, it tainted our perception inside the church, and it made us look at leaders like they're taking advantage of us. And then it tainted outside of the church of like, if that's what they're doing in there, why should I go in there? I'm, I'm better right. off doing what I'm doing. And right. my other scripture that I had was, you know, because in First Timothy, again, the same. Chapter 5, it, it talks about that these are pastoral duties, and it's talking about, like, people who actually step in, and they're, they're responsible for teaching the word, and then the people who stand before, like, that can lead people to, you know, in worship, lead people to God, it tells you, like, lay, uh, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partake of other men's sins, keep thyself pure, meaning, like, we have to be careful, we have to be, we we have to be careful of sometimes so we have to be careful of sometimes the people that we endorse and we pull up because when we endorse them and we continue to have them stand in front of us and and, and present, whether it's read the scriptures, whether it's sing the songs, work the altar, we're saying that, you know, whatever that sin or situation may be, we we, we endorse that. It's okay. I guess it depends. So, okay, I was looking up because, of course, you've got to be, I'm going elementary with it as to what is a leader, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's many different definitions of leader, um, but I was running across, I ran across this definition. And it said a leader is someone who leads by example and has the integrity to do the right thing even when it's not popular. A good leader has positive influence over others, inspire them to become a better person, an example for others to model their life against as well. So I was examining that definition, and a few things stands out. They have to have integrity. Absolutely. So if a leader has integrity, then maybe 8 out of 10, I ain't going to say 9 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10 of the time, they're going to do the right thing when it's not popular. Because, again, we're dealing with, an individual that is human that's mm-hmm. not going to always make the right choices 
that's going to make mistakes. Um, a good leader has positive influence over others. So sometimes a fallen leader may not necessarily be someone that did something wrong as far as cheating, whatever, womanizing, whatever. A fallen leader can be someone that failed to influence their flock, that that failed to inspire those that are, are around them, that failed to model their lives according to the word so that someone else can see what it is that they are that they live in what they're preaching, I guess, say to speak. So as far I, I examined the father leadership topic. I didn't look at I didn't just look at it one way. I didn't just look at it as an individual that's in a leadership role that has done something that's against moral or morale or mm-hmm. that's unethical. I looked at it also in the in a spiritual eye in the, in the sense of you have individuals that look up to you that might be looking to you because they like the way you pray or they like the way you break down the word or they like the way you carry yourself. They like the encouraging um, aspect of things that you have. Just say one day you're having a bad day. Say you're just not in the mood for that. Like the, the weight of being a leader is heavy on you. So you may forget to encourage. I might walk past you, Tina, unbeknownstly and don't speak. Was it intentional? Maybe not, but you're going to look at it as, wait a minute, you just walked past me and didn't say hi? Where my mind might be somewhere totally different. So falling leadership can, can be on so many different levels because there's such a high expectation on that leader that sometimes they have a bad day. There Are they entitled to? to have a bad day or are they not entitled to have a bad day because they're in leadership? Um, so I think it's deeper than just committing the sin of you know, adultery and, and, you know, all the other stuff that we know is not right and we know that doesn't carry um, a level of integrity. But then there's the other things about the, you know, the inspiring and the encouraging, you know, helping somebody tap into uh, what their gifts are, what their spiritual gifts are, listening with the inner voice. Um, mm-hmm. vision, sharing the vision, helping somebody um, fulfill their vision. You know, so there's there's that part of following leadership as well. In my opinion, there's two sides to that. Um, I mean, that, I I hear I hear you. I hear you with the I hear you with the it's being two sides to it. And I do believe that people are entitled. I do believe people are entitled to have a bad day. And in those days, because I know myself, I have I have bad days, and some of those days I know when to just sit down, and I know you know I know when to sit down, and I know my spirit is not right. But if I'm right. called to the front, if I'm called to the front, I have to put myself in the front. I have to really go ahead and admit, like you know, I'm not right today. You know, I, I gotta you know some some going on with me, and I'm not I'm not in the right frame of mind, but. You want me to pray, I, I got to pray for myself in the process, too, and I got to ask God to forgive me. But I also know when, you know, as a leader, like if you know you're, if you know that you are not right, you yourself have to know when to sit down. No one, no one should have to, you know, no one should have to sit you down. And I think right. that's and a lot of times when we, when we address fallen leadership, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's like you, you know, you have people in position any type of position 
who feel that I can do it, you know, I can do whatever I want. And as long as I'm not caught, I can still continue to do that. And in those cases, that that hurts everybody. It hurts. It hurts the church. It hurts that. You know that. You know when we talk about falling leadership, like that's what that's what we that's what we really address. And like even 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 a bad day, if you don't know how to um, have self, if you don't know how to exercise self control, you know. You might want to, you know, you might want to sit down for a second. You know, you you might want to sit yourself down for a second, because when it comes to people having to sit you down, I think sometimes people sometimes get afraid to sit people down or to address people because you know this person may have thousands of followers, or you know when you know it seems like the offering is bigger when they do praise and worship or when they work the office, it seems like a lot of people get delivered and sometimes people just like that part of it, the the you know, the overall being seen, the big the bigger part and it makes it makes other people look good for this person to be standing there when in actuality this person needs to sit down. I agree with you and you you just hit something that I was just getting ready to say. So you talked about I I call that being pro being proactive and being confessing that there is an issue um, so that you can help get to where you need to be. So James 5 and 16 says, confess your transgressions to one another and pray for one another that you they may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then genuine remorse, whatever that is, whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever makes that's throwing you as a kid, stay off your square, whatever it is that you know that is not right for you to be before the people, there has to be genuine remorse behind that. Um, the scripture that comes to mind for that is Second Corinthians 7, 8 through 11. I'm not going to read it off because mm-hmm. it's a lot. But it says, when a, le- when a leader who sins hold it all together and demonstrates no sadness or grief, it is a sign that he or she has felt neither convention nor godly guilt. This can tear down church and the people that are watching faster than anything else. We cannot teach. Someone wants to be remorseful, but we can and should point out when that person seems cut off or unaffected by their actions. So you are right on point right. with that. I agree with you 100%. Where if, if you know you ain't right, I think it's, it, it, it does everybody better to be proactive, confessing that, getting some help with that, sitting yourself down and being remorseful about it, and as well as being apologetic about it as well. You have to be apologetic about it and then say, where do I go from here? Where do we go from here to go from there? Right. So let's, let's see well, what, take, what, our, what our callers say. Yeah, I'm going to take four, uh, caller 4118. Hello? Hey, now. Hey, now. How hey you doing? Now. Hey, now. Cooling. How you doing? I'm all right. This ratchet, how you doing? Huh? This Rashad? Yes, ma'am. Guilty. Talk I was going to say, uh, uh, well, you know I'm going to drop some petty in first. I'm just happy that uh, old boy got married. <laughs> Wasn't he? Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, him. I'm just glad he got okay. married. Period. So... Way to go. And then as far as sitting down, you know, I had to go through that myself. And, you know, I was highly upset about it. But 
in the essence of sitting, you kind of understand what's going on. What happens okay. is that it's kind, it's kind of just like when you grew up in your house. You ain't going to go outside and just go do wrong and come back home and not get a spanking, whether it was the first time or the second. You, you, you're going to get the spanking. You know what I mean? And even in a situation where you go to church and you do something where you out in front, if you know you did something, man, you going to get a spanking. And the spanking is you got to sit. Like, does it hurt? Absolutely. Because, I mean, you could you could compare it to a million things if you don't, I mean, if you don't just see it as plain grass. You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. got bad grades. You got to sit out in the sports. That ain't even your mama. That's the school. They're going to sit you down. So you get your grades right. and the school is sending a letter back through the hallway to you that now you could play. Boy, I have seen five to ten folks itching and twitching in homeroom to get that letter like, man, let these grades right. be right so I can play this week. Like, yeah, bro, it's real. So, I mean, why do people expect for that not to be the same in church and then, you know, want to act outward about it? Take your punishment. You did the crime, do the time. You know what come with it before you go and do your thing anyway. And But now on the flip side of that, I do sometimes see where people come from when they say that they can praise through their thing, but a lot of times, you know, it, that's just so cut and nip and paste because you look mm-hmm. at it by what you do. Like if you lead in praise and worship, oh, we got four or five of y'all. We can get somebody else to do that. They're going to be glad to do it this week because you can't. Like, but Amen. You know, instrumentation, like not just not just raising hand for us, but I mean, most of the time, unless the church is big, the people that play on Sunday are the people that play on Sunday. You take one away, you took away the whole thing. They right. We got a whole new set of songs we got to sing now because you took away A or B. And I mean, right. it happens, but I mean. I understand a little bit more with the instrumentation and the vocal, but and that's all sides of vocals. Because even if you preach, we got four, five folk waiting behind you to do the same thing. They want to do it too. You might be on fire, but be on fire down there testifying till you get back up here. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I appreciate and I appreciate you I appreciate you being um open about that because a lot of people they they won't they they won't admit that like you need sometimes you need to sit down. So oh, yeah, thank, thank you for that. Oh. Yes, ma'am. Y'all have a great show now. You too. All thank right, you. Thank you. Okay, I got another caller. Uh, one five eight seven. I'm coming to you now. Hello? Hello, how you doing, Sister Tina? I'm all right, how are you? I'm doing good. Okay, I'm listening to you all, and I agree that oftentimes we hold our pastors, our bishops, you know, people Mm -hmm. in ministry to a higher standard, as you said. We put them on this pedestal to where we feel like they can't make any mistakes. You have to be perfect. You have to do this. You have to do that. And the minute mm-hmm. they make a mistake, we want to throw it in their face. And I don't mm-hmm. feel that's fair. Like you said, we're human, okay. and I understand that. 
But also, like you said, when you accept that ministry, you know there are certain things that you have to do, which I totally understand. But if someone makes a mistake and, and, and something happens, we have to be able to forgive them. We can't throw it up in their face. We can't Absolutely. say, well, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, and then the minute they make a mistake, it's, you know, they're not perfect no more. The only perfect person was Jesus. And we mm-hmm. have to understand that our leaders need support just as well as we do. We have to support them. They go through things just like we do. They're not always perfect. We're, they're going to make mistakes, and we have to support them. But I had a question. You all said that sometimes, you know, I mean, that you have to confess your sins. So I want to know, do you have to confess your sins not only, I know you have to confess them to God, but do you have to confess them to the church? Because a lot of times when you put stuff out there, like I said, sometimes people throw mm-hmm. that back up in your face. So I'm kind of confused with that. You know, putting your business um, out there. So I, I'm, when, can you explain that? When I read, when I, when I read it, when I read First uh, Timothy five, it was giving that was the instructions for like the pastors, the bishops. Those were pastoral mm-hmm. duties. Like those people in leadership, they may need to confess that to their leaders. If they mm-hmm. choose to confess, if if they choose to confess openly to the congregation, that's just the step that they're taking. They need to confess to their leaders, and their and the person over them needs to make that is the person to make the decision to say you may need to sit down and go to the, go through the restoration process. Now it's solely up to them if they want to confess to the congregation, and then they still have to remember just depending on what you did and what you do. Sometimes people already know what you did, and they are already right. talking. So, you know, right. they already know what you did. they already talking. But it, it's our job as the body, like being members, you know, at the end of the day, the pastor and the pastor is ultimately going to make that decision. So that needs to be something that they discuss with their leadership. But what I'm saying as the body, if they do confess, we all should be mature enough to actually see this person, they expose themselves. Now we need to take it. And we need to pray for them. We need to forgive them, and we need to we need to move on. We don't need to like really, really like hold it against them because then you know if there are situations we are supposed to judge, judge righteously, and then there are some situations where you know it happens. You have to back off. You have to back off of that because you don't have a heaven or hell to put that person in. So you know it is what it is. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. I hope I answered that. You did. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for thank you for asking the question. Okay. Tamara. That that's good. That's good. I I she she mentioned something about confessing to the church. In my honest opinion, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I don't I don't think they should confess to the church for many reasons. However, if a, if a leader knows that their heart isn't right, their mind and spirit isn't right, for whatever that reason might be, we can go from 
A to Z and name one. It is right. their responsibility, one, to recognize that, take accountability for it, and sit themselves down. Even with talking to their leadership, depending on what it is, I don't really feel, it, it again, depending on what it is, they may not have to necessarily reveal it to their leadership either. They could just simply say, I need to step down. I got some things that's going on within me that I need, that the Lord needs to work with me on. I'm going to sit myself down and sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so is going to step up in my place. The associate ministers are going to go, you know, rotate. He or she will have a plan in place um, in their actions. They'll be in the church, you know, they'll still be active and doing whatever it is they need to do. But as far as presenting and preaching and doing things before the congregation, when there's some things that they're toiling with, I I Mm -hmm. 100% that they need to take accountability for that, confess to that, take responsibility for that sit themselves down before it becomes a rumor mill because we know churches can become a rumor mill. Ooh, girl, did you hear pastor did so-and-so and he did such-and-such. And then it, it takes away the it, – it takes away not so much the what the pastor stands for but what the pulpit stands for and what right. it represents. So because anybody can stand behind, the, anybody that's got that calling and anointed on their life, a pastor's got replaced all the time uh, nationwide uh, in churches. So he can be sure. here today and tomorrow depending on what happens. So it, to me it's more so about what the pulpit represents, what that sacred desk represents versus what the one, that individual has to have integrity, like I said earlier. But I don't want the, the desk. The, the pulpit, what that represents to be the defamed. I don't want that to be a mockery because people will start talking about what the pastor did, and then it becomes more about what the pastor did or didn't do than what God is trying to do within the church. Right. What comes to mind scripture-wise, um, and when I was doing my reading and stuff, was Luke 15 and 7, where it says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So I think when you have a leader that knows his heart, spirit, and mind isn't right, but doesn't sit himself down, doesn't acknowledge his sin, they're arrogant to me. And to me, it's a disrespect to the pulpit and the sacred desk. It's a disrespect to the congregation. It's a disrespect to God because who are you? to totally disregard all that it is that you're trying to teach. How can you teach and preach the word knowing that your heart, mind, and spirit isn't right? And then have the the audacity to have the arrogance to say, oh, well, I don't have to because I'm pastor such and such or I'm bishop such and such. So in the aspects of that, I most definitely agree. They got to be accountable for it. They have to stand up and say, hey, I need to step down. I don't really think they need to disclose their business unless it's something that it, that needed there truly needs to be discussed among the leadership or the church. But otherwise, if it's an internal battle or something or or some things they need deliverance from, that's between them and God. They know that what they need to do. Hey, I need to step down. I got some things that Jesus is working on within me. Let's move forward with how things are going to be. I'll still be here, but I won't be before the church. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with I, I agree with that. I think sometimes we uh like I said before, I think sometimes we like how a person may do something and 
and how it adds to probably to the ambiance. But at the end of the day, we don't really see that it's detriment to the it's detriment to the congregation. You know, you right. you have this like you say, you have this arrogant or you have this prideful person that's like walking around walking around in their midst, and they are continuing to do this, and not necessarily they're doing it to the you know this, and that's locally. Like, there is, that's a detriment to the body of Christ, but even, you know, and I, I believe that the celebrities, I think we, we, I think we put too much focus on them sometimes. And, right. and, and right. yes, we all, yes, we all are human, but the people that already are in the eye of, like, the world and the people, when they do it, it really, like, it really hurts, it really hurts the person who, who spent their life studying the word, um, studying the word. You know, they went to seminary or they really, they get up every day and spend time and they get up every day and they spend two hours in prayer early in the morning and then they spend two hours in prayer late in the evening and then, they, you know, they, this is their life's work. And then it's like they are pushed to the side because of the person who could hoop the best or who could sing the best and these are the people that are, like, causing the confusion, causing the flip-flops. And and that's what that's what's hurting that that's what's hurting us. That's what's really hurting the body of Christ right now. We have we have the you know false prophets, the false teachers. We have a whole lot of false things. You know, it looks we present it one way when it's really another. Because when I leave there, I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the strip club, or you could catch me riding riding down the same street that the prostitutes is on, or you know. Don't let me leave my phone or my computer and you might get all type of pornography or I do drugs or I'm an alcoholic, like you were saying. You know, that really impacts negatively on the church. It really does. It it does. But then on the flip side of that, how do you handle a fallen leader? How do you help that fallen leader get to one that is willing to get help. Because like I said, you can't help them all because some of them just feel like they're invincible, they do no wrong, even if they're full of it. They That's just how they are. But there are those that genuinely have made a mistake, genuinely lost track of what their purpose was or what their purpose is, have genuinely fell off, backslid, whatever the case may be. What is the approach from those leaders that are close to that pastor or that that individual that's in leadership or even family or the small group of people in the congregation that might got a whiff of what happened or what's going on, what is the approach to, with, with that fallen leadership? Do we condemn them? Do we kick them out the no. church? Do we... Do we make them feel bad, like like the caller said, do we make them feel bad and throw it in their faces of the things that they did, or do we help them build themselves back up and go through the restoration process? And if we do, what does that look like? Hold on one second. Call a 9546. I see you. Give me one second. Um, I did talk to, I talked to a couple of my friends in the ministry, and they said that, um, and they all collectively told me that there are some churches and denominations who have a restoration process, which is like okay. um, counseling, where that you know the um, that that particular individual is assigned a accountability partner, um, where somebody that they could call and talk to, someone that okay. could, they can pray with, they could pray with, or a person that prays for them, 
but they are willing to, like you said, they're willing to like step back, take that break, and 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 get that, you know, get that thing right. They're not taking away that they, you know, may have done something wrong, but they are following pro- the protocol to get it right, and that the person that they're accountable to is able to see the deliverance. Well, they are able to see it. So they said there are some churches and denominations that have a restoration process, and then he said there are some that that don't. You know, they just like they just move on. They, you know, they just kind of oh, you know, kind of oh well, it happened. They either let you know most of the times they let the person they let the person continue to function and operate, and mm-hmm. usually what happens in those and usually what happens in those instances that you let a and I, I'm just gonna use my word. You let a raggedy person continue to stand before the people and disrespect, as you say, the sacred <laughs> death. What happens? Yes. Is, what happens is you now start to see your church dwindle. Right. You start right. to see people. You start to see people slowly leave. You start to see people slowly get disinterested. You start. You know. You basically see, start to see your church stop growing. Because people, you know, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we, you know, we can't keep throwing it in someone's face, but you can't keep parading that mess around me neither. Hey, go on somewhere with that. Amen. 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 I mean, I say that. I mean, I say that. I say that because, again, you know, I just say don't don't keep parading that mess around me. Simply because there are, you know, everybody that's sitting in that pew is not stupid. That, everybody that's, that's, that's sitting in that pew. Further. Huh? Let's, let's go a little further with that, Tina. Let's go a little further with that. So we we talking about fallen leadership, and we're talking about, and then we'll get to the that caller that you just brought mentioned. We talked about fallen leadership, and we talked about the pastor to himself or herself not being right. But what about situations right. where? The it's not the pastor. Maybe it's the music, the uh, minister of music, or it's an usher, or it's a deacon, or it's a mother. If we know that that individual is not right, that individual continues to, to display behavior that is not mm-hmm. God in the church and out of the church. Why is it so hard for leadership to sit them down? Again, so you may. Not- I mean, and we said we said that earlier. It may be because that minister of music. I mean, I tell you, he boy, he could get him going. He boy, he got a church rocking, have him clapping. He do this little special dance that he do, and 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 that's exciting, and it draws people. And every time you go out, they may say, "Oh, I love your, I love your ministry staff." They really just. They just, boy, I mean, I tell you, you could just feel the presence of God when they play, and you know, they get they get hyped off of that. But at the end yeah, of the day, right. I'm just saying they, you know, some people they they get they get complimented too much, and if they have to sit certain people down or do things with certain people, you know, they may not get those compliments anymore. But that in itself, you know, again, that goes that goes to like a person over everything. That's their right. job to. Right, that's their right. job to, to you know to correct those people, and and even um everything is not about like you got to sit down, you can't do this anymore. Sometimes you know we talked about it when we talked about church hurt. We talked about it in the sense of like having a relationship with a person to rebuke them. Mm-hmm. 
Right. If, right. And and and, that, and who says that could go from anybody? Because sometimes you know the pastor, we 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 think the pastor is Superman. The pastor has a lot to do. He's responsible for every single person in there. He's responsible, although they have auxiliaries that do everything. Let something go wrong. Nobody going to the head of that auxiliary. They going straight to the pastor. They busting his right. door down to talk to. They busting his door down to talk to him. But at the same time, that's what you have deacons for, and even that one, even that one church member who is dedicated, who is committed, who have a relationship with this person. Like we. We have, we, we have a responsibility to go to that person and say, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I actually saw you such and such, such and such. And, I, you know, I didn't want to spread it around and say this or that, but I wanted to bring it straight to you that, you know, what you're doing, is, you know, what you're doing is not right. Do you need some help with that? Because that don't just hurt you. That hurt the church. And I'm sure if you you know, I'm sure that hurts your family. I'm sure mm-hmm. that, you know, you may be, um, you know, you may be an alcoholic. And people could tell, you know, like, people could tell because of how your family looks or, or how things are. You know, you can go to people and talk. You can go to people and talk to them. You should be able to. And just because you get complimented on this and that, trust me, you get more compliments when you when you write and in order. And then if you if you do have the um I don't know how to say it. Let me let me think of how to say it. If you do if you do have it where you're not like intimidated by the person or intimidated because you don't I don't like confrontation. I don't I don't want this to be a problem. Like but if you stand your you know, you stand your ground with a person, you know, you you can actually like you said bring them bring them to repentance. You can actually talk to them and get them to see the error of their ways and work with them, pray for them. You know, help help be a part of the restoration process for them. That's good. That's good. It, it that's gives them a lot college. of responsibility. Caller, uh, what is it? Nine five four six. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hello. I'm all right. Hey, hey, how y'all doing tonight? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, cool. How y'all doing tonight? We are. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is this is Dave Dave Sinclair. Here, let me let me go with the minister Minister Sinclair here. And Minister Sinclair. Okay, hey, check this out. But uh, I've just been listening to y'all for the past few minutes, and um. You know, one one of the things one of the things y'all have to realize too, though, as being a leader that has fallen, there's there's no one else no one else can correct that situation but God, though. You know what I'm saying? And, Absolutely. And, and 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 he even says it though, because look look what happened. Look what he says in Job, though. You know, you know, for he repays mm-hmm. the person according to his works, and then he'll make him find it according to his way, though. So God is the only person, God is the only, when you serve in God, this is the only job as a leader in the kingdom. It's the only job where you'll be working and not get paid for it, you know, until you find your way, you know, until you find his way, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you've fallen, the track to getting back is always, how do I find God's way in this? 
in this process, you know. And then we as parishioners who follow a, a person that has felon, it is our duty because you know even and this is all biblical that we're supposed that we're supposed to pray for one, pray for one another. Pray for, right. We're supposed to pray for one another, and then we're supposed to be able to assist with guiding a person to help find that way, though, you know? And right. um, and then it goes back to what, what, what your theme was with First um, Timothy, you know, about don't engage in this sin. Be careful who you lay your hands on, you know, you lay hands on or lay hands upon you, but... Don't engage in that sin, though, you know, because you, you might end up being consumed by it yourself. But right. you encourage, but step back and step away. That's how you let people um, figure out that, okay? Because, you, know, you know, when you done did something, you done went through something, you need people to encourage you to know that, okay, yeah, I messed up, but mm-hmm. I can always, I can get back, too. You need that encouragement to know that you that you can get back. And a lot of times, people that fall, they stay falling. They don't get up. True. They don't have the right type of uh, encouragement. And then um, I was listening to the lady that called in this act about giving, you know, uh, commit to confessing your sins to the church. That ain't for everybody's business. The Bible says we confess our sins to one another, though. You know, it is. it don't talk mm-hmm. about confessing your sins to the corporate mass though, you know? Because because what you do is when you confess your sins to one another, then that means you offer an opportunity for for sincerity, you know? And everybody that you confess what you done did don't always have your best interest at heart though. You know, so if you like uh I think the comment was made earlier that you'll never why why would I why would I want to address the whole church when the best interest when all of the churches don't have my best interest at heart, you know. Now, what behooves me about leadership in a, in a lot of ways too is that leaders not perfect. A lot of times, this would be they usually be they for real first time leading. Every situation that as a leader is always your first time leading with somebody. You may have different examples of how to go with it, but not all the time though. You know, not all the time. It's just. A lot of times, every situation is new, and how you proceed in that takes wisdom. And I think a lot of times, many many men become arrogant in their own ability instead of seeking God or seeking seeking proper proper context, you know, for uh, for for the for the right situation, though, you know. And so before we before we you know demonize them, you know, we have to find out what. How, how educated are they on a particular issue or a particular subject? Because because I'm gonna say this, and then and then I'm, I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna get off real quick. Is that you know a lot of a lot? I'm I'm just gonna use pastors for example, and even men. I'm gonna say men in the cloth period, whether that be deacons, musicians, whatever. We can go down the road. Everybody has their own vice that they that they're consistently dealing with, you know, but. Mm-hmm. However, even with that device, they have to be they have to be um, dedicated enough to the work to where their vices their vices don't consume them don't consume who they are. And the, right. and the one and and a lot of times, people vices not necessarily don't be don't necessarily come as all flat out uh, 
just something egregious or whatever, it usually starts with a conversation. It usually starts with um, a thought, a suggestion, you know, and mm-hmm. you know it kind of build it kind of builds from there. So, so what we have to do, you know, when we look at those situations, though, we have to understand is that what. What what how how do we do, what do we know about ourselves to 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 where we can be able to avoid these type of situations, you know? And I just want to just kind of throw that out there for a minute, though. You know, I mean, I hope that helps, but just want to throw that no, out there. I, I, pre- I appreciate your input input because that was uh you know that's a good that's a good perspective coming from that's a good perspective coming from a minister. I appreciate that. Oh, and, and real quick, real quick, another thing too though, I'm gonna let y'all let y'all know about people in the clergy too. Because because they are open, they are open vessels, especially the ones who are truly anointed. The same the same mm-hmm. energy that it takes to be open in prayer is the same energy that it takes to open yourself in sex. You know what I mean? So you have you to tell. really you have to really guide those you have to be careful. Because even people that have a gift of prophetic, they have a heightened, uh, they have a heightened sexuality because it's the same. It's the same energy. It's the same energy, and that's where a lot of pastors, pastors, preachers, whoever, they fall. Even people that are committed into their work, they fall because they are they have a um, lack of understanding about what what's happening in the physical and in the spiritual. You know, because in order for a person to Conceive a child There has to be some form of a spiritual opening Somebody was open To where it was able to conceive You know And it's the same thing with um, with the sexual energy You know If you're open like that You're open and you have a heightened sense of uh, Erotica so to speak What happened And it's, it's, ask any person in the clergy They will tell you And some that don't know a lot of A lot of people ignore it And that's what gets them in trouble or a lot of them know it, but don't have the discipline to to curb themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and so you have to realize that the same energy that you use to pray, when you go down to pray and you open, you open yourself to God and you throw yourself on the floor and you know you open yourself all the way up. That's the same energy using the sexual behavior. So when people talk about I'm finna go by when a, when a, a male pastor talking about he finna go pray for Sister So and So. It's appropriate that he has somebody there with him, you know. Anytime mm-hmm. there's a man, if he's not married, if he's not married, it's appropriate that he has another female or have his wife in the mix of any type of interaction with women in in that particular realm because because of that type of energy, and that's what causes a lot of men to fall and their arrogance to that clouds them to fall and it clouds their leadership. That's it. I'm done. I agree. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate Minister Sinclair for that input. And um, one thing I want to say that um, I like I like everybody's feedback first. But we we talked about do we confess in front of the congregation? The thing about it is it's not so much the confession that goes before the congregation. You know, First Timothy is a very powerful book. And it tells you that in verse of chapter five, verse twenty, it says, "Them that sin rebuke before all, that others mm-hmm. may also fear." 
it's not the confession of it. It's the correction of it in front correction. of everybody. That would, yeah, it's the, it's the correction of it in front of everybody that would cause other people to understand that this is not acceptable. It's not going. It's not acceptable, and it's not going to be tolerated. And it needs to be. It needs to be fixed. That's what causes. Rest, that's what actually causes true restoration to fallen leadership to be to be corrected. And then when you say how you asked the question before, you said how do we restore them? We restore them as evangelists, you know, as the fivefold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. We restore them by teaching them spiritual warfare, teaching them really how to battle. Because Minister Sinclair brought up a very good point about the energies changing, and when you when you go down in prayer and that great anointing, that great anointing is on your life. The greater the anointing, the greater the attack. Also, so you have a lot of you have a lot of things to come up. You have a lot of things to come upon you, but you you need to know. You need to know about binding and loosing. You need to know about the strong men. You need to know about confessing the scriptures because what you confess, you possess. You need to know what to you know. You need to know what to do. And a lot of us enter enter ministry and enter different uh, different auxiliaries. Sometimes not even knowing how to pray. Yes, yes. not even knowing how to, not not knowing how to even really pray effectively. And, and and that you know having even and even having someone to stand in agreement with you and that's that's I believe to me the number one thing of how to restore a fallen leader is teach them teach them not him it could be a him or her teach them spiritual warfare teach them how to war in the spirit for for their for their anointing because you have to you know you have to protect that thing you have to protect it. I don't know about nobody else, but I have to protect mine. Mhm. I agree. You're right. You you are completely right. I also think that when you are going through the restoration process, whomever that leadership goes to, or whomever is in place um, to go through, or help them go through that leadership, there's just got to be certain things in place, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think there has to be um, gentleness uh, because yeah. if you are angry or disgruntled or harsh with the individual that has fallen, how does that help them recover? How does that help them become restored? That It doesn't. So I think gentleness needs to be in place. I think humility needs to be in place. Um, yeah. Definitely have to be. Uh, I think there should be humility because we want to make sure that they recognize what their mistakes are, and that they don't make excuses for the mistake. They they recognize mm-hmm. them for what they are, and they move forward um, in whatever that correction needs to be. I think there needs to be love, and it needs to be consistent uh, because. They need to be loved on. I think anyone that um, has issues in any area of their life, no matter what it is, like right. I said, we can go from A to Z and pick a reason. We all have something. Um, a lot of times people fall off because they don't feel the love. 
They don't feel the support. Right. Um, they, they're struggling with something but don't know how to approach it. Um, they have a testimony right. but, but scared to, to, to be open about it or whatever the case would be. So constantly, constantly, constantly loving on them. But the most important in restoration, in my opinion, is telling the truth. We have got to be honest with these individuals about where they are, where, where they need to be, and what God said. Not what we say, not what we think, not how we think it should look, but really, like you said, spiritual, really get them to tap into, one, how they got in the position to begin with. You know, get them how they felt, you know, what got you here? What, there was there was some steps. There was a process. There was some signs. There was something that was there, and you got to face that ugly truth about it. Uh, like you said, like like. Mr. Sinclair said, when you're praying with someone, that's an energy that's opened up. That's a heightened energy. Oh, my God, I was by myself in the room with this woman and whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? you got to be honest with yourself and then be open to receive the honesty from others as to what got you in that position and how to get you out of that position, how to get you where you need to be, how to get you back through um, the restoration and, and get you back before the church or getting you to where you truly have accepted and repented for what it is that you have done. So for those individuals that's going to be in that circle and helping that pastor get through that process, whatever their role is, they gotta they gotta have certain characteristics because without those characteristics, that fallen leader will continue to fall, as it was mentioned before. It'll be extremely difficult for them to get back up if certain things are not in place as they go through that process. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take caller uh, 4809. Hello? Hey, how you doing? All right, Hello, how are you? How you doing, uh, Sister Tina? This is Lisa. This is Lisa, your, your neighbor, your your family. I just came on and I just wanted to say God is so awesome. And I just thank God for what he's doing in your ministry. And I just thank him um, for how he's uh, doing things for you and how he's bringing you up um, for the glory of God. And I just thank God for that. I just came in. I was just been listening and it's just been really wonderful. I just listen. I'm just listening because that's what I need to do. I like to listen and learn um, because I'm still a baby in Christ, even though I've been raised in the church, even though I've been raised up in the church, but I've been walking with God and sometimes I might fall, but I get up and I pray about it and I ask God to help me with it. And um, I just thank God and I, I, I love what you got, what you're doing. It, it's so wonderful. I just thank God for that. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you to God be the glory because it's all him, not me. And I I appreciate you for um, listening in and I appreciate, I appreciate your comments because Cameron and I, we, this is what God has called us to do when we both, we both are, Putting our heads together, and we we are keep we are kingdom building. So we we appreciate you for listening. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, because God is raising up His people right now. Because we living in these end times, and God is about to come back and get His people. 
and he's raising up people, and he's raising up young prophets. He's raising up people that he's bringing um, people that used to be gay and used to be lesbian. He's bringing them out even as well and bringing them into the glory of God. So everybody was coming up, and that's a wonderful thing because, man, God is good. Amen. Yes, he is. Yes, he's doing this all because of his glory. Absolutely. Only his glory. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. I'm sorry. I wanted to uh, um not right no, not yet. But I wanted to um I wanted to address Lisa, I just want to say I, I love Lisa. Um, we we grew up together. We lived across the street from each other, and just um, I'm a little older, but just to see her grow, just to see her grow up, and to see her the woman that she's become. I thank God. I thank God for you too, sis. So I just wanted to tell you that also. But Tamara, I wanted to get back to what you said about like when the um, you say like the you and what um, yo yo loving husband, Minister Sinclair, he said about the man and the woman and the their energy being open, right? Yeah, right, right. When you go to pray, he said something about the energy being open. See, I want to say it like this. If I know, and I'm talking about Minister Tina, so I don't struggle with this, but if I know that I struggle with lust, I'm not uh-huh. going to run to every you hear me? I'm not going to run yep. to every man and try to pray for them because I know in that moment when I go to open myself up to God, right. Satan, he right there, he's Satan right there waiting while I'm saying, Lord, give me a word for this person or Lord, um, give me what to pray. I know Satan right there like, oh, he looks so good. You know, I, right. I about um, right. you can undress him. You know what I'm saying? You can undress him with your eyes. You know, he talked to you too. And even when, and even in our prayers, you know, God is not the only one that hear our prayers. Demons and other people, they hear our prayers too. You know, we get spiritually hijacked, and some of us don't even know that. So anybody listening, know that any witch or warlock could see into the spiritual realm, but uh, but God only reveals his secrets and his mysteries to his friends and prophets. Know that. So know that when somebody comes to you and say something to you that only God knows, then that that's that's a prophet. That's a person that that that's a prophet or somebody at that moment that he is allowing the gift of prophecy to work through. But anybody anybody can see in the spirit and tell you surface stuff. But back to what I was saying, I know if I struggle with lust, I'm not gonna run up to every man and try to pray for them or I'm not gonna put myself in position in positions where I'm always, like, around a lot of men or I'm around, you know, a lot of women or whatever entices me, I know that I'm going to kind of push back from that table. And I think that's where, like, go ahead. No, I was saying, okay. and I believe that's what he was. I believe that's what he was saying because when you look at like the protocol, like with deliverance and even um, intercession, where like the people they go to the prayer rooms and you know you go laying hands and things like that, they always ask for women to pray with women and men to pray with men. Just just right. so you keep that down. Just so you keep that boundary clear. And like um, Minister Sinclair said, if you, as a as a male, if you do have to approach a female, have, you know, have your, if you marry, have your spouse with you. 
if you not marry, have another uh, have another female there with you. And the same as women. A lot of times with women, you know, we we can't walk into a whole lot of situations and deal with men. We can't. Like we could we could pray for them. We could talk to them. God could use us in a mighty way. But you still want to have another man present. You still want to have another man present. And that's what I was talking about with being truthful. You have to be truthful with yourself as to what your vices are. We all know that we have vices. What are those? And how do I address those? So like you said, if I know I have an issue with lusting, I'm going to be very clear or very cautious as to how I proceed with the opposite sex. Because, you know, us women, we like good-smelling men, nice-dressing men. There's no way you can open yourself up like that spiritually. With a man that you that you find attractive, that's that's you. That's a disaster way to happen. If my vice is drinking, I don't have no business walking into no bar or walking into a liquor store or being with individuals that I know consume liquor. That's a vice for me. You know what I'm saying? So we all know our vices, and we have to be truthful with ourselves as to what those vices are. If you know you like to gamble, you don't have no business being in a position that's going to have you fall back. If you've been delivered from that, I guess I should say that, because Amen. some vices that we have, we ain't been delivered from yet. So there's a difference between the two, so let me correct that. If you've been delivered, if God has delivered you from your vices, then it is imperative that you make sure you stay clear of those temptations to those vices. Now, if you have vices that you have not been delivered from and are still fighting, that's a whole nother level of things of being right. truthful with yourself. Because a lot of times we don't want to be honest with ourselves. We don't want to face the fact that we do A, B, C, D, and E. Because we don't want Sister Jane, Brother Jack, and Pastor Eugene to know that's where we are or that's what we're doing. So I mm-hmm. really think that we have to be truthful with ourselves as to what our vices are and then proceed with how to correct or get help with those vices accordingly. That's in leadership and outside of leadership. It really doesn't make a difference. The truth, if we tell the truth about it, starting with ourselves, it would be so much easier to address it. It might be a little bit easier for us to catch those fallen leaders even before it gets that far because if they recognize it then they're open to talking to whomever they're close to, whether it be associate minister, whether it be their wife, whether it be a deacon of the, you know, the, or trustee or whomever it might be. It makes it a little bit easier to accept, hey, I have an issue. I have an issue that I'm trying to get help with, and I can't do it by myself. We don't get help because we're not honest with ourselves. That's true. Because I'm going to be real honest with you, um, as a minister, one of the things that I have uh, struggled with all of my life, and will probably, um, and I'm not worried, and, and, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm not worried about anybody listening because anybody listening to, you know, anybody listening because one thing as a minister, you like you say, you gotta be honest with yourself. One thing I struggled with all my life was my bad temper. I have, I have had a bad temper for probably as long as I can remember, and I've reached a point in my life. Besides, like other sins committed, I knew that that was the one that was that was causing all the doors to close in my face. Because I would, you know, something would happen, I immediately just get mad and I would just blow up. 
and I had to have a come to Jesus. I had to have I had to have a come to Jesus meeting with myself, and then I had to I had to seek help. I had to seek help for that. I I went to one. I, I sought professional help, and I talked to my I talked to my pastor to work with me with it. I went to anger management twice, and I uh, got the certificate twice. You hear me? And I talked to my I I talked to my pastor, and that was something that I got someone to stand in agreement with me for, and that's something that I cover myself with all the time because, especially when I know that you know my discernment is really high sometimes, when well, most of the time, but when I know it's it's a situation that's gonna try to upset me, I hurry up and try to remove myself from it. I try. I I'll I'll end the conversation. I try to end the conversation really quick, and I I try to move away from it because it it hurts you in the end. And and I and I I confess I confess that on the radio is simply to say you know I'm not worried about the backlash that will come back from that. But when you say be honest with yourself, everybody has something that they struggle with, and. You cannot put yourself in a lot of situations or when you find yourself in a situation, you have to learn how to, what they say, you have to duck. You got to learn how to duck. Don't get up get up out that, you know, you got to learn how to duck and get up out that jam because I, I got caught in a couple of jams and I, didn't, I did not handle myself appropriately in a lot of situations, but I thank God for forgiveness. And I also thank God for humility to, one, be able to admit that that's a problem and then also be able to go to that other person and apologize. And I think that's a lot of, that's, you know, when we're when we talking about, you know, when we're talking about fallen leaders, a lot of what happens is that people, you know, they, they some of them don't apologize or it's like you only apologize. And, and then you see those people we talked about before, you know, you only po- apologize because you got caught. Had you not got caught, you would have never said anything. You would have kept continuing. You would have kept continuing to do what you're doing. So when you say be honest with yourself, you definitely have to be honest with yourself because everybody coming, everybody coming to the church struggling with something. Nobody, nobody is perfect. Even the people that sit there and pretend to be perfect and have no sin at all, you need to you need to repent because that's a lying spirit. That's a lying spirit because everybody falls short. Exactly. And, and again, goes back to being honest. Being honest with yourself. When you're honest with yourself, it makes the transition and the restoration a little bit easier because you're being honest. You've accepted it, it, it for what it would. Not making excuses for it, most definitely. Doesn't excuse the behavior, but being able to say, hey, I have that weakness, or I have that vice, or I struggle with this, or I had an issue with that makes the restoration and the healing process that much better. And then those that are around you that's helping you through that process, it gives them a better understanding mm-hmm. of what they need to do when it comes to prayer, when it comes to lifting you up, when it comes to encouraging you, um, laboring with you in the spirit, laboring with you in prayer. It, it just kind of gives them a better idea as to what they're dealing with. Because, again, we don't want them exposed to what the situation is because one spirit jumps from one to the other if you're not covered. That's the reality. Yes, they do. You know, if, 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 if like there's you, an opportunity, they'll take it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, it will. It, it surely will take it, especially during deliverance time. It sure will jump around because it won't. It it don't. It don't want to have to leave. It it want a, another body to go to. And right. um, like what you um, like both what you and Minister Sinclair said, or both of you all said about the encouraging and loving and loving people and talking to them and um, still you know like still speaking to them like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm praying for you or. You know, God's going to turn that thing around for you. That makes a big difference in people's life. And even just, a, you know, my, my pastor does it all the time. Um, he, in the, you know, uh, before he gives his message or, like, when he comes to, when it's his time to come to the pulpit, he'll have everybody, like, hug, uh, hug three people or, you know, or after church, you know, hug three people because it makes a difference. And he talks about that exchange from, like, one heart to another, just letting somebody know, like, hey, I'm happy to see you, or I'm glad you came, or, you know, I love you, I appreciate you, I was thinking about you this week, I'm going to call you. That makes makes a big difference. It it really does. And I think, again, sometimes as the body, um, as the caller earlier said, you know, we hold it against people and we throw it in their face when, Sometimes you know we need to we need to be more loving. We need to be more encouraging. And even mm-hmm. like he said, you know, God, you know, God is the only one that can change a person. But we wouldn't be, you know, at the end of the day, that's why we're talking about following leadership because God God won't let you get away too long of doing things. It may be ten years. It may be it may be ten years. It may be five minutes. But you you get called to the carpet, and when you get exposed you exposed and you either gonna repent and change and work on it or you're gonna just stay you you will choose and that's a choice also to stay following. Yes. That's a choice. That is a choice. Even without the even without all the love and the support and the hand claps and I'm rooting for you and I'm praying for you, at the end of the day you live in a life to please God. So you can't blame other people. You ask you know, to a certain extent, you can't blame other people for not clapping you on or cheering you on. You gotta want, you gotta want to stand up right before God. You you have to want to do that. Staying you do. falling it's, is a choice. Staying falling is a choice, I believe. It is a choice, and even get um, even allowing yourself to get to that point to where you're that low. I think that's just to me, and that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I think if you allow mm-hmm. yourself, if you don't recognize early enough in the situation that things need to change or that you need to change or that you need to sit down or that you need to take an evaluation and pray for clarity on what it is that you're doing and what you should be doing, that's another, to me, that's another sign of arrogance. Because who are you to continue week after week, month after month, year after year to get before God's people knowing you're not operating in the right spirit? knowing you're not operating with the right state of mind, knowing you're not operating with the right, right heart. So, yeah, falling can happen to any of us. Choosing to stay Absolutely. that way is definitely a choice. But not even recognizing from before it gets that far, to me, I think it's a sign of someone's arrogance. I think it's a sign of someone thinking that they're invisible. God sends warning all the time before destruction. And like you said, nothing that's done goes unpunished. And if you think that you can walk mm. around and parlay around the church and do the things that you do, then God is not going to get you for it one way or another. You're going mm. to get that look at for, for So when you're out here 
before his people, you're responsible. You are a shepherd of his flock. It is your your responsibility to oversee those individual souls. Are you going to go before him with blood on your hands because you was too arrogant to recognize that you was not who he called you to be when he called you to ministry, that there's some things that you need to work on and you need him to help you work on that? So instead of you recognizing it, being honest about it, facing it, dealing with it, you're going to continue to stand before his people and ignore it? I don't think that's right either. And I think because so many leaders, have that mindset of they're invincible. And I'm not saying all, but before somebody say I said all, I have it. There are quite <laughs> a few, though, that feels like they can stand before God's people behind that sacred desk and do the things that they do week after week after week, and they feel like, oh, well, nothing happened this month, I'm good. Nothing happened six months, I'm good. Maybe a year passed. And you still skating, but the ice is getting thinner and thinner. And eventually, God is going to whoop you for the things that you are doing, especially when it comes to His people that He put you in shepherdship of. And you're not doing right by them, not doing right by the ministry, not doing right by the cloth, not doing right by the word. And you know you're not doing it. And you mm-hmm. continue to still pursue being a pastor, being a leader in the ministry, you know, being before the people. And whatever magnitude that might be, there is going to be a wrath beyond your belief that's going to come, and you can't blame anybody but yourself. That's true. And when and while you, while you were talking, the scripture that came to my mind was, uh, a man that exalts himself will be humbled, and a man that humbles himself will be exalted. And it Amen. goes back to, you know, it goes back to, you know, when, um, Rashad was on early, and he said, "You know, you have to get you have to get that spanking because just like you, you may have to sit down from preaching, but it may be four or five other people in line that that got a message they've been sitting on for years, for years. And then even when it comes to like praise and worship, it's, it's about three or four people that got got a good song and a song in their heart that they can sing. But you know, it." it, it you know, again, like you say, it, it comes down to really understanding and knowing that you don't get a, you don't get away with you you don't you're not going to get away with it because you know just for like even some of the celebrities, it's a lot of people that stop following a lot of pastors. It's a lot of it's a lot of people that stop um you know stop following a lot of the singers. You know they lost a lot of record sales and things because. There are some people, you know, there are some people that, that pull back from them because they just don't agree. You know, they just don't agree with that. Like, you know, I, you know, and I, I personally listen to Israel, and um, I, I personally listen to him. But at the same time, it would have been nice to see him reconcile his marriage and reconcile his the, his marriage of 20 years and to see him get ready to marry someone else. But that's just my opinion because, you right. know, God have a plan for, you know, at the end of the day, God have a plan for everything, everything that he does. And, again, as the body, our job is to encourage, lift up, love them, you know, be welcoming, and, and, and definitely practice what we what we supposed to, 
do as far as forgive, you know, forgive people. And at the end of the day, sometimes what they did, it don't, it, we don't lose sleep about it because it's not affect, it's not readily affecting our household. But you know, we we have, we all have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to do what's right. And when the time comes, you know, some people, you know, you, you if you read your Bible, you know, with Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they came in church blind and they dropped dead. So you have to, you know, you have to be careful. He's not going to let you get away with a lot of stuff. With a lot long. of stuff. Yep. And I think people have gotten comfortable, too comfortable with, oh, I got away with that. Oh, I got away with that. Oh, did nothing happen? No, you ain't got away with it. You think you got away with it, and then you—it's mm-hmm. even worse when you are before God's people, doing these things, saying these things, or being out of order, and not lining yourself up according to God, because He's gonna get you. And when He gets you, then you're gonna be sitting back like, "Man, I didn't see that coming." Or we had a what happened? You know, what did I do? Why did that happen to me? You know, am I being punished? Yeah. But I don't even find myself asking that, you know, in times in my life where things have come and I'd be like, oh, my God, you got to be punishing me for something that I did or said because I just can't have this type of love. You know, this can't be things that can't be this bad or shouldn't be this bad or whatever the case may be. And I always refer back to it has to be something that I did or said along the way. And God sent me warning on it, and I didn't correct it, so he punished me for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I'm i trying to recall. It was something something, something that you said earlier about, like, uh, if you had been delivered from gambling and you had been delivered from certain things, you know, you shouldn't be in those places, but you got to always know that it's going to be a test. It's going to be a test right. walk. You're going to get tested. Right. You're going to get tested. If you, you know, trust me, I get tested all, I get tested all the time of how am I going to respond? Am I going to keep lashing out or am I going to um, ignore the situation? Am I going to talk, you know, am I going to be peaceful? You know, how am I going to respond? And he's going to keep testing me with that until I, you know, he's going to keep testing me. And that's with anybody and anything, you know, you might think you're going to your friend's house, and then you might walk into a dice game. You just got your paycheck. You know what I'm saying? You, you're you going to get tested on the things that you're supposed to be delivered from and not so much the things you're supposed to get delivered from. You're going, you're going to simply be tested because you're supposed to live a holy life. There's always going to be something out there to entice you, you know, who you're going to serve. Who, who, and, and what and the decision and the decisions that you make and the things that you do tell it's not about telling everybody else. It tells God who you really serve. Right. But you say you, you're, one of your issues or something that you deal with or something that you've always dealt with is your temper. You have a bad temper. And, yes, as as Christians and saved individuals or those that are trying to walk in the light of God, we, we all get tested. We are all being challenged mm-hmm. on one degree or another to find out where we are. But, I'll use you as an example. You know your temper is bad, but you're not going to go pick a fight. You're not going to intentionally bake someone into a situation with you to where your temper can flare. That's what I mean by that. I mean, don't put yourself in positions. I know sometimes you can't help it because it is part of the test. But don't put yourself in positions that you know 
is a weakness for you, that you know that you're still fighting, that you know that you've been delivered from, and you just have your moment that could be a moment of weakness. If you are a man that's been delivered from lusting or a man that's been delivered from fornication, you don't walk into no strip club. You know what I mean? That's what I mean by putting yourself in positions of temptation. I I know we're going to be tested, and I know very well that the devil is going to throw everything he got just to prove that you are not who you say you are. But if you truly are striving to be within Christ and one with Christ, then you're going to do the best you can. Again, we all fall short, but you're going to put forth that effort. There should be some change that I see. Oh, Tina got a bad temper. I'm going to poke the bear. Now, there might be some times where you're going to be like, oh, this girl don't leave me alone, but you're able to walk away. You don't, that temper doesn't flare up or that I don't see that side no matter how much I provoke you. You're, that's me testing you. You have the willpower right. to walk away. Now, there might be some times where I don't call you at a bad moment. The, you know, the human and the, and the realizing that you're still dealing with that, that side might come out. And then later on, you have to repent for that, and I have to repent for provoking you because I provoked the situation. I mean the reversal. You're not going to go provoking a situation when you know you got a bad temper. Nine times out of yeah, ten, you want to avoid altercations at all costs. And you, but you know what? I like that you pointed out people that intentionally provoke you. That's yeah. you know that's that's not that's not that's not okay either. You know, you, it's not your job to test the other person. And if that's what you're doing, at that very moment when you say you opened up, you opened yourself to be an instrument of the enemy. You, at that yep. very moment, to pick, to pick to pick at another, to deliberately pick at another person, you opened yourself up. You opened yourself up to the enemy just as well. And like you said, um, I definitely, if if I find if I find situations like if I if I feel like something don't if I, if I get that feeling that it's not gonna turn out too well, I try my best to avoid it. And if I am put in if I am put in a situation, the first thing I do is I get I get very quiet and I'm at my business. I, I I try not to talk too much. Okay. I, I, I just I just I try I try not to talk too much. I try to talk as least as possible. Simply because I already know at some point this person is going to keep going and they're going to agitate me. And at that point, that's when you you use self-control and you use common sense. You already know this is a red, you already know, you already see the red red light flashing, move around, duck. Move around, yeah. Move around. I need to, and and if they don't understand, and if they don't understand, like, you know, why she don't come around or why she don't, you know, it don't seem like she talked to me. It just seems like she did. Uh-huh. Tina, did I lose you? Okay, listeners, I think Tina's having um, technical difficulties. Uh, for those that are listening, I hope that you have gotten something from today's topic as far as falling leadership, how they get there, how do we get them back on track? Um, and then what does falling leadership look like? How do you feel about falling leadership? We definitely want to take um, any more callers that might have a question or that might have a um, remark. 
on that topic, uh, Tina is getting things re- rebooted back up, so she can definitely um, get you in to make your comments. Um, I just want to simply say, say um, to everyone, thanks um, for listening. Thanks for being supportive. Um, this has truly been, uh, I guess I should say, an eye-opener and a great experience for me because I am a behind-the-scenes person. And I've always been encouraged by family and friends to stir up my spiritual gifts and use the things that God has given me. So this radio platform has given me the opportunity to open up, um, truly tap into my relationship with God. My prayer life um, has increased. My um, understanding of the word is growing um, and the radio show as a platform for that. So I give um, God honor and glory for that. I thank Tina for seeing enough in me um, to even invite me into the woman's cave. Um, It's been great and it's been fun. Um, But for those that are out there that are listening, that are in church, whether you are a minister or just you sit on the pew every Sunday, if you're in the choir, if you're usher, you're a deacon or any type of position of leadership. Um, fallen leaders happen every day. We deal with fallen leadership on a regular basis, and it is our job and our duty to help restore um, those fallen leaders one after they accept that they've fallen because, um, again, a lot of pastors don't want to admit their wrongdoings or that they have flaws or issues. Um, So that's the first thing is making sure that they accept that they have some issues, that they want the help that they need to um, address those issues. And then us as their flock, us as their um, members, close to them, associate ministers, whatever your role is, um, it's our responsibility just like it's their responsibility to uphold one another and to operate in God's love. That is, um, at the end of the day, what God wants. At the end of the day, that's what um, it's all about. Um, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to what's going on here in Milwaukee because we have made national news um, with the riots and and the um, chaos that's going on in our streets um, behind a young man losing his life by the hands of a cop. I don't have um, an opinion one way or another as far as um, why it happened. Um, More so, I just ask that everybody pray because there's something going on in everybody's city or town. Uh, We are definitely living in our last days, and it is crucial that we come together as one sooner than later um, and recognize that um, God is about to come back for his people, and if we don't turn away from our wicked ways, and he is going to destroy us all. So for those that truly believe in the word and truly believe in what they read and what they pray, um, it's time for us to be bold. I say that because my sister used to say that to me all the time. You got to be bold in the Lord, and you got to stand on what you say you believe, and we need to get out there. I commend the pastors that have been going over to that area the last two nights praying and offering up peace and and, and spiritual um, reconnection 
with the community trying to rebuild what's literally being torn down since Thursday or Friday. It's been crazy. So everybody pray much for one another. I think we got Tina back. Is there any callers that want to give their last final remarks or words? Yes, and I, I apologize. I don't know what happened, but I, well, I got a bomb. I got a bomb host with me. Hold this. Uh, call it 3555. I'm coming to you now. Hello? 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 I guess they, uh, I guess they hung up. Not these I guess they, uh... They spoke? They said hello? Yeah, I thought I heard somebody say hello. Hello. Three, five, five, five. Hi. Hi. How are you, ladies? We're good. How are you? Doing good. So I just wanted to, like, chime in, but I don't know if you guys had, like, questions or if it was just, like, open dialogue or what's your format? It was open dialogue. It's open dialogue. Okay, I think I was was hearing, um, I don't think I necessarily have a question. I was hearing um, a lot of different things that um, we should do as believers to restore fallen leaders. Um, And then also I think I also heard, like, what does a fallen leader look like? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. The the and then I think I also heard something about um, God punishes us for the wrong that we do and it doesn't go unnoticed. I was just trying to recap everything that was being said, all while trying to like help um, get the word out. But I just wanted to kind of share something really brief um, that happened to me, and I may not be um, this may not be the ideal response that you want for this call, but I think it may help somebody else who may have gone through a situation who may not be as transparent. Um, but okay. I, um, I was in a ministry um, for some months and long story short, uh, we were part of the pastoral staff, my husband and myself, and we were brought there to kind of help restore a very small ministry. And um, because there was a lot of dysfunction, there was a lot of um, things that were out of order um, and there was a lot of disconnect between the leader and his spouse. Um, I was targeted as um, someone who was um, accused of cheating with the pastor. And okay. um, I was accused of cheating with the pastor because we were very close. We we spent a lot of time communicating, um, my husband and myself. Um, but there were a lot of things that our leader had to get permission for from my husband for before we would even take, you know, certain steps. But, you know, moving forward, the wife um, shared this accusation with the whole church, with her friends, and it created a lot of discord and a lot of tension in the church. One, it was false, um, and two, it was a display of intimidation. Um, It was a display of jealousy, um, and it was a display of um, insecurity. And, being who I was, just coming from a previous ministry issue, it it scarred me because we were um, very close to the leader. Um, and coming to find out this was a routine or this was a cycle 
for this church to run off anyone who was close to the leader. Um, and so because we were naive to that and our goal was ministry, period, kingdom building, period, we looked past all of the red flags in the beginning. And so um, it was it was very detrimental to me, to my children who had to witness it, to my husband, um, to my family outside of the church. And it was very hard, and even to this day, I'm just being very transparent, it's very hard to trust another leader with mm-hmm. my soul. Um, it's very hard to trust another first lady with my soul. It's very hard to um, look at church the same way. And I am a licensed minister. I'm very versed in the word. I have a very intimate relationship with God. And my relationship with Jesus has not wavered. Um, Stuff like this could usually typically take people out. Um, They claim church hurt. I don't claim that. I, I know for a fact that I was hurt by a person who had their own personal issues. Um, but it was not in my desire to restore the pastor. Fast okay. forwarding, the pastor never, um, well, it kind of went damaging. Um, they were going through their own spousal issues, and at one moment it was a divorce, and then the next moment it was reconciliation. I'm all for reconciliation in a marriage, but what I'm not for is you left souls out in the wilderness that were damaged. Um, you never came back and tried to restore the souls that you damaged, that your spouse damaged, um, that other people in the church damaged. And so my first mindset was not to restore the pastor. It was, no, you need to acknowledge what you did, and you need to correct your own issues. No, I'm not going to pray for you. No, I'm not going to seek God on, be, on your behalf because you have blood on your hands you purposely have slandered us. Now we became the enemies, and our love and our passion and our zeal for helping within church, helping within ministry died. And so, you know, I hear restoring leaders, restoring fallen leaders. There has to be certain things that we need to do as people to restore those leaders. And what do you do? I guess I'm posing a question. What do you do when the person that you trust with your soul, the person that you trust that's going to God on your behalf, that knows some of your personal issues, um, that has a, a platform that they use to, to basically dishonor God. They're not teaching the word to change lives. They're promoting discord. They're promoting um, separation. They're promoting division. They have a, a, a self-righteous mentality. How do you purpose in your heart to restore that person when you don't see any type of godly characteristics being displayed. Um, You don't see anything that says Jesus Christ. You don't feel anything that says Jesus Christ. How, how can you restore or even want to restore a leader of such, um, I'll say magnitude with, for lack of better words, how do you restore someone who, still has yet to apologize, who still has yet to acknowledge the wrong that he allowed to take place and the wrong that he even did after it took place, um, jumping on the bandwagon to destroy me and my husband's name when we were part of his pastoral staff um, with clean hands. And so how do you 
get to a point, and I, I, I know the answer, but just for, for dialogue purposes, and maybe, you know, iron sharpens iron. Maybe there could be something or a different perspective that Tamara, um, you or Tina may have. How do you how do you get past, I know you have to be healed and you have to, you know, ask God to forgive them and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't trust another pastor with, with my soul or with my husband's soul or with my children's soul because everything happens so publicly and so openly. And this same leader and his wife are out portraying to be this kingdom building type of, you know, ministry. And they're not, what do you say to yeah. them? What what I would what I would say to what I would say to you first is I apologize that that happened to you and that from having gone from having gone through that that I hope you have uh, forgive you know hope you have forgiven them and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise you to just say uh, I wouldn't say I don't I don't trust another pastor with my soul because everybody everybody is not the same. And that if if anything, see, really see God more for discernment of wh- where He wants you to go, and, and what what is what is it that He's really calling you to do? Because if you are a person who um, helps build churches and helps establish churches and helps establish leadership, He may be calling He may be calling you to a higher purpose. He may be planting the seed inside of you. So I I would advise you to see God more and still daily continue to pray pray. You know, you you have to pray for those that despitefully use you. You you know, I would Amen. still advise you to pray for them and and to and to forgive them and find forgiveness in your heart for them because that's not that particular situation is not on you. And if those people are still working and they have damaged other people, those people that they damaged, God used that as an eye opener for those people also. That's an eye opener situation. Uh, for me, I I'm gonna be honest. Think I would be there yet. I would think if something like that was to happen to me, I would be very angry. For one, um, for two, I would probably feel the same. I would lose a lot of respect for those that are in. Well, definitely for that individual, but it definitely will put a blinder on for other ministers and and it will close me in. Um, when you're hurt over and over and over again, when you have good intentions but other individuals don't, it makes it difficult to step outside of the human flesh and step into the spiritual, although that is how we should act and how we should respond and how we should do things, it's difficult to do that when you have a good heart, when you have good intentions, when you are on fire for the Lord. And that that goes back to a couple episodes about, um, I I called it people hurt, but we titled it church hurt or whatever, where Mm -hmm. you have every intentions of helping build the kingdom and kingdom building and serving God and serving under um, a ministry. And then that something like that happens, it does discourage you. It would discourage me. It would frustrate me. It would angry me. I probably would remove myself from church um, for a while. Would I forgive? Of course, I would have to eventually because God forgives me every day. Um, Would I forget? Most definitely not, though. I wouldn't forget, and it would definitely put a bad taste in my mouth 
for that individual and any other individual that knew of the situation and didn't try to correct it or rectify it. It would definitely make it difficult for me to open up to another pastor, to open up to another first lady. Uh, but it definitely would make me tap into my prayer life more, like you said, Tina, and, and seek this, uh, maybe a little more discernment, you know, be a little bit more, you know, eye-opening to signs that are there um, so that I'm not so quick to jump into another ministry that I feel, because sometimes we do things off of emotions, um, is, the right thing to do or things of that nature. Um, I think I would just say to you, stay encouraged, uh, trust and know that God has something greater for you. He sometimes he puts us in positions to make us a little bit stronger. You know, I, I really for so long felt like that saying God has to put more on you than you can bear. I really felt like that was a cliche for a long time or whatever the case may be. But <laughs> as personal personal experience and, and just some things that I know I've been through in my life, I'm a survivor, and I believe you're a survivor. And I believe that um, when God gets ready to rest your feet, it is going to be a phenomenal situation for you and your husband and your family. Um, I pray Absolutely. for you daily um, in that situation. It hurt me to know that you even went through something like that because I know your heart for people. I know your heart for ministry, and it is. And for me, I'm not even where you are in ministry as far as you know your prayer life and things of that nature. But I know if it damaged you like that, I know what it would do to me. So I would be way far gone than you are. I would just simply say, stay encouraged, continue to uplift your family, continue to pray, continue to see God, and He's going to guide you to the right place. Um. Other than that, never let man change your direction that you know God has put you on. That was one, that was a stepping stone, put it that way. It was a stepping stone God gave you um, to the to elevate you to the next level. And your enemies will be your footstool. Every person that tried to intentionally um, disrespect you, Intentionally discredit you, intentionally embarrass you, intentionally be disrespectful, whatever the case, God is going to make sure that they are in place to see you elevate when He elevates you. So just just remember that. And um, call it three five five five. I did write your number down. I, I um, we have to end the show, but I, I pray that I uh, can follow up with you. I can be found on Facebook at Tina Gray Reed and um, Tamara. Uh, Tamara, what's your uh, is Tamara Sinclair? It's Tamara Nicole oh, yeah. Sinclair, but I I know who the caller is. Tamara Nicole, <laughs> I'm saying, I know who you I know you know the caller personally, but I would definitely love to follow to follow up with you. But I know we have to end the end the show. But I want okay. I did I cannot end I cannot end this show without praying, praying and also praying for you and praying for every caller that listens, and um so. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I just thank you this evening, Father. I thank you for the words that were uh, spoken between Tamara and I. And, Father, I thank you for every caller that uh, chimed in, oh, God. Father, I I ask right now, Father, that we could plan our way, Father, but you establish our steps according to your word. And, Father, I ask right now that you comfort each heart, 
And, Father, any leader that's on this line that may have fallen or have some struggles, Father, that you show yourself strong and mighty in that situation and that you appear to them and you talk to them and you begin to guide them and they allow the Holy Spirit to be their friend. And, Father, for the young lady who has had to endure some things at the hand of leadership, Father, restore her mind, restore her heart, and restore her to the house that you would have her to be. Because, Father, you said that when you plan us, we will not be moved. And, Father, I thank you for the ministry that's in her. Father, I thank you for every ability that you have given her. Father, and I even thank you for sight. And, Father, we just ask for an increase of discernment in her life, Father, that she would she would know, she would see, she would hear, she would feel, and she would know where you're leading her and that she won't she won't turn from your voice, that she hear your voice more clearly, and that you give her peace in that situation that she's going through. And for every household that's represented here, Father, cover them with a fiery wall of protection and that they are blessed going in and they're blessed going out, Father. And I just leave with them Psalms 91, Father, that, that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will be covered by the shadows of your wings, O oh God. And, Father, that you will not let the arrows or the pestilence touch them, Father, and that you just bless each person, Father, and let them have gotten something from this, and, Father, that plant a seed inside of them, Father, to not fall, and that if they fall, to seek you. And, Father, we thank you, and we bless you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. We'll be back next Monday. Y'all done put something on my heart. I'm, I'm going to have to go pray about this here. I'm going to be in prayer tonight. <laughs> All right, Tamara. All right, talk go to you away. later. All right. Feelings on the shelf. 